Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Well, hey, church, we're so glad that you joined us for this weekend service, and we're excited to dive in the word. It's so necessary in this time for us to jump in. And so we're in the middle of Mark. We've been going through this series for several months now, and we've been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but we find ourselves now in Mark 8, and Mark 8, 34 specifically. And you know what I think has been really neat is that in this time, in this pandemic, and in all the things that are happening in our nation, what I think has been so beautiful is how God has spoken to our church through this series, and the series had been planned weeks and months before this point of time, but what's amazing is that God's word has spoken directly to some events that have taken place, and that just is a reminder, church, for us that his word is alive. God is the word, you know, the word was with God. He is the word. The word has not changed. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so the words that we're reading, the words that we're, um, the scriptures that we're pouring over, we are are totally relevant for today and totally relevant for what we are facing in this time. And so I just want to encourage you to stay in the word, know that it's active and alive and it's what we need in this time. You know, we say at Project Church, we say here that Jesus is our message and the Bible is our guide. And I believe that he is guiding us through what we're facing um, through the scriptures that have already been planned out. And so God is good. And so I want you to know the goal for today like it is every week, and particularly in the wake of the coronavirus, um, in, um, as we're understanding racism in 2020, when we're thinking about this upcoming election season and processing how our personal feelings um, are, have been affected by all these things, the goal is that we would find peace and hope in the word as we read it today. See, that's what happens when we follow Jesus and allow his word to be revealed to us. It gives us peace and hope. So I'm saying if you want peace and hope, you need to follow Jesus. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? And that's what my message is about today as we open up the scriptures, Mark 8, 34 through chapter 9, verse 1. I've been thinking about this concept of following, obviously because this day and age and social media. Um, I think about the, all the people that I follow on, on Instagram, and I 100% know that there are people there that I follow that I don't actually know. But sometimes when I, I watch their stories and I see what they post and I look at the aesthetics of their page, and you know they may be actors, politicians, designers, or different brands and people who have started these brands, I watch their feed sometimes and I'm like, yeah, 100%, we could be friends. We'd probably be best friends. And so we assume that we know people on the other side of the screen just by clicking a button and saying, I follow them. We say that we have all these followers, but as I think about this concept of following, following people on social media, that is nothing like following Jesus. Following Jesus isn't just clicking a button and say, I'm following a church now. I'm following a pastor now. I'm following these great thinkers. That doesn't make me a great thinker, and neither does it make me a Christ follower. You know, I, 
I think in the 30 plus years that I have followed Christ personally, there are moments where I've had to make a decision and one decision could take me closer to Jesus and the other decision would take me further from him. And in that moment, I had to count the cost and say, do I really wanna follow him? I've been serving the Lord for over 30 years and there's these decisions that bring us to the point of deciding, am I gonna continue to follow him? And some of those decisions can still be difficult. I think about the disciples and how they've had to, they counted the cost of following Jesus and the cost that they paid, the the price that they paid made them martyrs because they followed Jesus. I think about how some of them were clubbed, stoned, or even burned to death. Paul was beheaded and Peter was crucified. And there's many missionaries today in other parts of the world that are facing persecution the way disciples are facing persecution and they are counting the cost in ways that I'm afraid in a comfortable America, comfortable Sacramento, we are not counting the cost the same way. And so I wanna encourage you today that we can't just be a people who say we follow Jesus, but don't back it up with our lives. And not just our lives, our outward lives, but what's happening in our hearts. And so let's be reminded that following Jesus isn't by association. It's not a matter of being in association with other Christians or let this sink in. My kids will not be Christ followers just because I'm a Christ follower. Let that sink in. You might be thinking, man, she got real deep. All of a sudden, we were just talking about Instagram and now we're going deep. And I want you to understand the gravity of the message that I'm about to share because this passage of scripture is so the pinnacle of Jesus's teachings. If there was one part of Mark that I would want you to just ingest and to just pour over and to, and to study over and over and remind yourself of, I would say this is that passage. This is that one teaching that I would want to encourage you to continue to listen to and consume. And so if you've never understood Christianity in the context of what I'm about to read and this perspective of following Jesus, I'm afraid we don't understand Christianity or following Jesus at all. So let's really dig in today in this scripture. Let's start from Mark 8, 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May we navigate these dark times that we're facing with the light of the word, the truth of your word. May it light our path and may it leave us hopeful. At the end of this message, may we be more hopeful than we were coming into it. We love you for your word. Thank you for it in your precious name. Amen. 
Amen. So let's take a look at verse 34. It says this, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This message is about following Jesus. And two parts of this one phrase, he says, Come after me and follow me. And they're actually the same phrase. And you would think, man, if you were to say, okay, if come after me means follow me, then this passage actually reads, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so it's a bit redundant, but what I think it does is sandwich the meats of the sandwich. And it's saying that following Jesus means denying himself, denying myself and taking up the cross. Those are the two things that it requires for us to follow Jesus. Deny yourself and then take up your cross. And so denying yourself seems pretty simple. I'm not going to do what my flesh wants to do. But I want to think about this concept of taking up your cross. Following Jesus means taking up your cross. And so what actually is the cross? And the cross represented in this day and age being opposed, shamed, suffering and death. Think about it with Jesus. Think about his final moments, his final hours on this earth. When he was sentenced to be crucified, the cross meant for him that he was being opposed by the lawmakers. He was being opposed by authority. He was being condemned. And the, the right people, the right people were opposing him. Think about him on the cross. He was bared naked in front of everybody. He, his, his, his clothes were torn from him. And not only was he naked, but his skin was pierced. So his, you could see what was on his inside. He was shamed. Jesus was stripped naked. Every part of him, even his inside, was exposed. Obviously, the cross meant suffering. I think we all know that Jesus suffered, but I also think we need to think of how Jesus suffered just as a human. We all suffer on this earth. We know this. And so he as a human, God in human flesh was suffering. And also the cross meant death. The cross, when he was sentenced to die, a crucifixion, death, he was sentenced to death. It was the end. And so this is what it takes to follow Jesus. Are you encouraged or hopeful yet? Well, here's the thing. You're going to be opposed. You're going to be shamed. You are going to suffer, and you are going to experience death. I really know that this is going to encourage you, but we have to move further, and let's dig into the Word because not only does, uh, does the Scripture tell us how to follow Jesus, but Jesus isn't isn't the type to just leave us to fend for ourselves. He's our protector. He's planned this all out. And so before we move forward, I need you to understand that if you're listening or watching, that Jesus is not sitting up in heaven just saying, you must follow me. You know, some of us think that, you know, in this time we're like, I can't believe he's just leaving us to racism again and all these riots and this looting and all this uh, corruption everywhere. I can't believe he's just leaving us to this dark time. But I want to remind you that Jesus is the light of the world and he's not an unloving savior. He made this whole plan to save us. This is the gospel message. But be reminded that Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's the thing. 
Jesus is the light of the world and he says, you're not left alone in darkness. You're going to be able to navigate this. His goal is not for us to merely comply with his biddings. He's not saying, follow me and that's it. No, he wants us to experience the joy, the blessing, the abundance of knowing him, the blessing of being grounded in his love, strong against the attacks of the enemy of our soul and unshaken by this world. That's what happens when Jesus comes into our lives and when we allow him to be the light of our world, of our hearts. So if Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he did on the cross for us, then following Jesus is the key to bringing hope to a desperate, dying world. Jesus is the hope of the world. So many people are asking how we're going to get through this, and I can't tell you how many times in my mind and in my mouth I've proclaimed Jesus is the answer. God is so good that he doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He strengthens us for this call and command to follow him with four things. And I, I want you to look at this scripture that after he says to follow me, follow me twice by denying yourself and taking up your cross, he leaves us four fours. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will, for my sake and the gospels will save it. Then I look at the second four. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Next it says, for what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. This command in verse 34 is followed up by why do you follow me? Why do you follow me? It's a bit of incentive from Jesus, and it's a bit of motivation for us and the why behind why he's giving this. You know, there's nothing worse for my eight-year-old Canaan to be told to do something without being given the reason why. You know, I totally understand that it's a bad thing for him to experience that, but I actually think it's worse of me as a parent to give him a command without giving him a reason why. I think it's bad parenting. And there have been times where I've resorted to that just out of my irritation or impatience. And here's the thing, we serve a patient God. We serve a God who has planned everything out thoroughly and no word or command is wasted. He has a reason that is going to bless us. He has a reason for why he's instructing us to do things. Commands can actually be considered instructions from Jesus. And what I love is that he gave us these four fours. So not only is following Jesus the key to bringing hope to this world, but the why of following Jesus is the key to bringing hope to this world. So number one, following Jesus gives us a new identity. Let's look at that first four, verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You know, this is a great paradox. It, it almost doesn't make sense. It, it's mind boggling. And St. Augustine says, if you love your soul, there's a danger of its being destroyed. Therefore, you may not love it since you do not want it to be destroyed but in not wanting it to be destroyed, you love it. You know, that was the paraphrase of this passage. And so I want to talk about this concept of losing your life. You know, Eastern um, religions and Eastern thought patterns say you lose yourself in order to lose yourself. There's no, um, no true goal, but 
Jesus wants us to lose ourselves so that we can save it, so we, our lives can be saved. So Jesus is telling us, don't build your identity on getting things in this world. Don't build it on gaining and or obtaining. Every culture lies to us and says that if you can, um, you can have certain things, you become someone. In traditional cultures, if you can have a family, if you can have kids and have a spouse, then you finally become someone that matters. In individualistic cultures, like in America, gaining a career or status and basing your identity on how well you perform, that makes you someone and you, you become someone that matters. But a title-based, gain-based, performance-based, acknowledgement-based, achievement-based identity does not work in the kingdom. When you lose your life, you gain a new identity. And I, think about it. If something threatens what you've gained, you're probably going to fall apart because you don't actually know who you are. Following Jesus isn't just changing an external set of achievements for another external set of achievements. And I'm afraid that's what we do in Christianity. We just say, okay, I'm going to be a Christian now. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to go to church more. And it's all these external things. But what, what Jesus is saying that when you lose your life, when you lose yourself, you gain something eternal. You, you gain insight into who he created you to be. You're actually, your identity is in Christ, not in being this outward external person who does good things. You can't be abstract with this and say, I can't build my identity on my parents' approval. I can't build it on career, success, romance, relationship. I must build it on God. That's an act of your will. The only thing that can change our lives at the root is the gospel. On the cross, Jesus, who was without sin, took on all of our sin upon himself, our past sin, our present sin, our future sin, everything that we've ever done bad, shame, guilt, all put that on himself. And he said, and he quoted Psalm 22 and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from the Father in that moment, and he identified with us. By taking on all of our sin, we can now identify with him and the righteousness we have in him. We find out who we were meant to be, who God created us to be, and because of Jesus, what God wanted us to be and have, having right relationship with him. We discover who we are because of what Jesus did. You see, C.S. Lewis, he says this in Mere Christianity, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become because he made us. He invented us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is then I turn to Christ when I give up myself to his personality that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. And second today, following Jesus gives us a new plan. It says this in verse 36 and 37, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So these two questions are rhetorical questions that Jesus is asking. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Nothing. That's the answer he's looking for. For what can a man give in return for his soul? Nothing. Think about it this way. You know, um, 
This past week, there was a peaceful march that Caleb and I decided to take our kids to. And we, we were prepping them and preparing them for what we were going to do that day. So we were sitting down for breakfast, and there was a moment where Kanan very honestly, very innocently looked at us after we told him we were going to go to a peaceful protest, a peaceful march. And he said, so can we break into a store and loot them? And I, in that moment, couldn't help but laugh. I laughed, Caleb laughed, you're probably laughing, um, hopefully. And in that moment, we thought, what did we do as parents to make our kid think that when we go on a peaceful protesting march that we we're going to go loot? And here's the point that I'm trying to make. It was a great teaching moment for me and Caleb, but the point I'm trying to make is that Caleb and I had the end goal of protesting with the means of a peaceful march. The end for Canaan was to use the means of protesting for his own gain, the gain of video games and maybe even shoes. He may have mentioned that. We are not proud of that moment. But I must say, when we think about this, and I'm thinking about these rhetorical questions that Christ was asking us, it made me want to ask us as a church, can we stop using Jesus as a means to our end and what we can gain? It, can, can we stop using Jesus as a means for our accomplishments? Can we stop using Jesus as a means for making us look good and us getting something out of the relationship? Let me put it this way. Following Jesus is not a badge of honor. Following Jesus, yes, gives you peace. Yes, gives you joy. Yes, gives you abundant life. Yes, it gives you hope. Following him. But sometimes that doesn't, following Jesus doesn't change your situation. You know, I'm afraid that following Jesus is also like a negotiation. We, we see it as a negotiation. I'll obey you if insert whatever plan you might have, whatever agenda you might have to I'll obey you if you give me this relationship. I'll obey you if you give me this job. No, following Jesus saying, I'll obey you because I want to. Because you as the king of the as the king of your kingdom, you went to a cross for me, not a king on a throne. You know, not a king that was establishing a kingdom here on earth. He was establishing a, a heavenly kingdom, an eternal kingdom. And he humbly put himself on a cross for us. And our response to that is, I'm going to love you because you did that for me. I'm going to love you, not because you're a means to my end and gaining more things in an earthly kingdom, in my own earthly kingdom. You know, because Jesus did that, because the king of the world died on a cross and humbled himself, we can trust him. We can put our trust in him. He is the end. He is the end. Whatever you do, whatever you say, I will do. Whatever you send me, whatever situations you put me in, I must receive because I know that your intentions for me are good because I know that you're motivated by your love for me. I know that you wanted to take upon the sins of this world so that I can be rescued from this world. Jesus, Jesus, right before he's about to go on the cross, he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So our response to him can be, not my will, but yours be done. Because you're a loving God, because I can trust you. 
Going to the cross means dying to our self-determination and following Jesus. And finally, following Jesus gives us a new hope. It says this in verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me, me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the angels. You know, I want to make note that when it says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words is Jesus. He's saying, if you're ashamed of me and my words, me and the gospel, it's what, what he's saying earlier. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel, for Jesus and the gospel, the gospel is the word of God. This word of God, Jesus, gives us a new hope. Very simply, if you've placed your hope in this world, you're choosing to walk in your old self, not your new self. You're choosing that where the glory of this world will profit you nothing. Remember, that's the question, the rhetorical question that Jesus asked us earlier. You profit nothing, and you will you'll really get nothing in return in eternity. You're exchanging being opposed, shamed, suffering, and death for the approval of this world, honor of this world, comfort of this world, and safety in this world, and you miss out on every blessing that Jesus desires to give you. You mess out on the fullness and abundance of joy and peace that comes only through Jesus. So it says here that for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of Jesus and his gospel, then we're, we're saying yes to this world. But what we risk is losing a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. Following Jesus is knowing Jesus and not just knowing him, but embodying him, emulating him, emulating him, emulating Jesus in a world that is desperately searching for answers amidst their angst, their anger, their hurt, their questions, their doubts, and their broken systems. You know, we did a panel discussion on Wednesday with some friends of ours, Caleb and I, and we discussed things of race, justice, and, and the gospel. And what we came to at the very end was that the gospel is the answer to all these questions about race. And let me tell you this right now, the day and age that we're living in, everything that we're experiencing in our world it's not a political moment. It's not a pick aside moment. As followers of Christ, we have already chosen our side and our side is Jesus. It's a moment that the church will finally die to itself, be compassionate, be full of justice, but also full of mercy, be full of truth, but also grace, be an empathetic church, a repenting church, but also a forgiving church. Let me tell you right now, at the end of that panel discussion and Caleb and I talking, we were just thinking, man, everybody's looking for answers from our politicians. Everybody's angry about politics and thinking that that is going to be the answer. And they're putting and placing their hope. And I, I'm afraid that I have even put my hope in ideals and systems. But right now, we've got to remember, as followers of Christ, we have chosen our side, and it's the side of Jesus. 
Jesus. He came to this world to obliterate all these systems and these governmental structures. He was radical. And if the church could be full of radical followers of Christ, the world will finally experience true, real, lasting hope. Church, let's be the hope that this world needs. So if you've listened to this message and you feel something tugging at your heart and just reminding you, man, I don't need to be worrying about everything that this world is asking me to pay attention to or decide on. The greatest decision that I need to make right now, and I'm imploring you, the greatest decision that you can make right now is to follow Jesus. If you are wanting to have the hope in your life that also gives you joy and blessing and and peace in this dark time and brings light to your world, following Jesus is the only way. And so I wanna just encourage you to pray this prayer with me. All it having a relationship with Jesus and knowing him is just a matter of accepting him into your life and saying that you're not merely the savior of my life. You're not just my savior, but you're the Lord and I'm gonna follow you. We're gonna follow Jesus. So if you feel so inclined, would you pray this prayer with me today? God, I thank you for who you are and I accept you into my life knowing that you had a plan from the very beginning of time to rescue me, to save me from my sins. You created me, you know me, you know how many hairs are on my head, you know me so well and when I accept you, then my identity is new and in you. So God, I accept you into my life. I receive the identity that that I have now in you. I believe that you died on a cross to take on all my sin, guilt, and shame. And God, I confess my great need of you. I confess that I'm hopeless without you. I confess that I need you. Be the Lord of my life, not just the Savior, but the Lord of my life. And give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life, fully, wholly devoted to you. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. So church, we are so looking forward to the day that we can regather. And so I know you're probably sitting at home wondering, possibly, when we are going to regather. And so stay connected to all of our social media platforms and we'll we'll keep you updated, we'll keep you posted, we'll give you updates on how the building is coming along. And you know, we finally received our final permits and received it in hand. So um, things are moving forward and we're not gonna leave you behind. We'll keep you up to date and in the loop. So stay connected. And if you're not already in a community group, make sure that you jump into one. They're available throughout the week and it's gonna help you grow in your relationship with God and dig into the word. So love you church. We'll see you next week. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.